إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهدي الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا واشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله بلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح الأمة وكشف الغمة وأصلي وأسلم عليه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وعلى تابعيهم ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين Praise be to Allah who praise him we seek his guidance and forgiveness Whenever Allah guide none can misguide and whenever Allah leads astray none can guide beside Allah We bear witness that there is no one worth worshipping but God, but Allah. And we bear witness that Muhammad is his last prophet and messenger. Prayers and peace of Allah be upon him, upon his companions, upon his followers, and their followers till the day of judgment. Ameen. Servants of Allah, have the taqwa of Allah. That is, be aware that Allah is watching everything that you do. Have the taqwa of Allah, that is, be aware that Allah hears everything that you say. Have the taqwa of Allah, that is, have the balance between the love of Allah and the fear of his punishment. Have the taqwa of Allah and do not die except on the state of submission to the will and the orders of Allah, the state of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the believers in Surah Al-Mu'minun, the believers, in many descriptions. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ One of these descriptions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said it, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِأَمَانَاتِهِمْ وَعَهْدِهِمْ رَعُونَ What could be translated as, those who fulfill their amanah. Those who do not betray their trusts, those who are trustworthy. In another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes those who truly establish prayers with the same exact description. Fi Surah Al-Ma'arij. And those who do not, fulfill, do not betray their trusts, those who fulfill their amana. Actually, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made it a very clear your faith is not complete if you're not trustworthy. Your faith is not complete if you're not honest. On the other hand, he described being un- dishonest and not fulfilling your trust and not taking care of your contracts or covenants as a sign of hypocrisy. He says, The signs of hypocrites are three. If he talks to you, he lies. If he promises you, he breaks his promises. And he does not have a man. He does not fulfill his amana. He's not trustworthy. When we hear the word amana, our minds right away goes to the simplest form of amana, which is the amana of the money. When someone says you're trustworthy, they say you are trustworthy when it comes to money. That's the most simple understanding of the word amana. But amana is way more than that. It's a meaning that gets involved in every single aspect of our lives. Today, insha'Allah, we will discuss how does amana, how does being trustworthy get involved in our lives on discussing three major relationships each one of us have. Each one of us has three main relationships. Our relationship with God, with Allah, our relationship with people around us and the society around us, and our relationship with our own selves, our own belongings. Today, insha'Allah, we will see how does amana get involved in these three main relationships. Number one. Our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhu al-ladhina amanu, la takhunu Allah, wal rasoola, wa takhunu amanatikum wa antum ta'lamun. All believers, do not betray Allah and His Prophet, nor His Prophet, and do not betray the trust that you've been trusted with. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, do not betray Allah, what does that mean? How can someone betray Allah? In other words, Allah is telling us, I gave you certain trust, I gave you certain amanas, take care of it if you do not. 
then you are not betraying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of these amanas, for example, this earth that we live on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the Quran where قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي جَاعِلٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةً Allah told His angels before He created Adam, I'm putting a representative for me on earth. So each one of us is a representative for Allah on this earth. So we should work and strive to make this earth a better place. Before Greenpeace movement, before animal rights movements, before any of these environmental movements, Islam came and said, take care of this earth. In other words, when you go to the supermarket and you buy an environment-friendly product, you are fulfilling this amendment. When you recycle, you're not just being cool and civilized, you are being a good Muslim. When you fight corruption and speak against oppression, you are fulfilling this amana. That is the amana of this earth. Islam, this great religion, is another amana that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entrusted us with. He told us, take care of this religion. Be good representatives of this religion, especially for us, living in this time, in this part of the world. As a minority, we should honor this religion. Each one of us, wherever you are, be a good representative of Islam. Show the people the true beauty of Islam. Convey the message of Islam. Tell people about Islam. Now, I'm not asking each one of you to put a backpack and go to doors and knock the doors and give brochures. I'm not asking you to do that. But talk to the people that you know, your co-workers, your friends in school, your neighbors, people that you know for 10, 15 years ago. And you talked about everything, Super Bowl, basketball, gas prices, real estate market, stock market, everything. You kids play together in the party. And you talk about everything except Islam. Tell them. Why do you wake up five, why do you pray five times a day? Tell them why you fast in Ramadan. Invite them to your house on a breakfast in Ramadan. Send them a plate of dessert and tell them this is our Eid, this is our holiday. Tell your neighbor the reason you take care of this house when he's out of town because Islam told you to take care of your neighbor. Tell people that. Sisters, tell them why you wear hijab. Tell them. I know some people will say, you know what, I talked to so many people in Islam and none of them became Muslim. That's not the point. It's not your job to convert people to Islam. Your job is to convey the message. Convey the beauty of Islam. That's your job, period. That's the point of telling people about Islam. Quran, brothers and sisters, this book that's on the shelf, that's another amana. That's a trust that Allah trusted us with. How's your relationship with the Quran? When was the last time you read this book? When was the last time you said, I'm going to open and memorize one page or one verse today? Or I'm going to understand the explanation of one verse today? We take it off in Ramadan, clean the dust, and put it back after the end of Ramadan. The beginning of Ramadan, we switch the CDs from songs to Quran. After Ramadan, we switch it back. We need for Quran now. Prophet Muhammad complained about this. He said, In the My people abandoned the Quran. And who do you think he's talking about? Abu Bakr or Umar or Ali or Uthman? He's talking about maybe some of, some of us. So let's keep a good relationship with the Quran. That's another trust that we should take care of. Your masjid is an amanah. What do you do to take care of this place? When you walk into the bathroom and you find a bunch of paper towels on the floor. Do you go complain, why is this place that? Why don't you do it yourself? Clean it. That's an amana. That's a trust that Allah entrusted us with this place. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is an amana. His legacy is an amana. His reputation is an amana. His sunnah is an amana. We should feel bad when someone's making fun of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We should talk to people about the greatness of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if your name is Muhammad, your job is even bigger. Your responsibility is even greater. Because there are people that are going to say, look at this bad Muhammad. Or they're going to say, look at this good Muhammad. A story happened with one of my friends. He was driving at night. He was pulled over by a policeman. Saturday, weekend night. 
you know, usually the police will ask the couple ask you for your papers, insurance, driver license. Then he asked him the very common question, sir, have you been drink alcohol, drinking alcohol tonight? My friend got so offended, his name is Muhammad. He said, sir, can't you read? My name is my driver license, Muhammad, I'm a Muslim, drinking alcohol is against my religion. You know, get really upset. The disaster happened when the policeman answered him and he said, sir, do you know how many drunk Muhammad I stopped so far? If your name is Muhammad, honor the name. So on the day of judgment, you're going to stand in front and say, Oh, Prophet of Allah, my name is Muhammad or Ahmed, and I did my best to honor it. I told the people about the greatness of your personality. So when there is a newspaper and someone in the world talks bad about him, all my neighbor says, No, 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 that's not right. Our neighbor told us about Muhammad, the true Muhammad. Salah is an amana. Your salah, your prayer. How's your salah? How many prayers did you miss last week? How many prayers you gathered last week? When was the last time you woke up for Fajr? When was the last time you actually understood what you said when you were praying? Prophet Muhammad said in the day of judgment, Salah is going to come to those who did not take care of it, like an old piece of dirty cloth, and throw it in their face and tell them, You wasted me, may Allah make you waste it. Many other examples in the first level. The second level, our relationship with others. Each one of us, in their community, in their place of work, in their place of studying, they have to have a man, they have to be trustworthy. People have to look at you and say, look, he's trustworthy. Whatever your job is, if you're a car salesman, you know, very common nowadays, you go to the car, car uh, sales lot, and people buffing, clean the car from outside, it's nice and clean, but the car salesman knows that there's something wrong with the axles or the engine. If someone comes and buy a car from you, because you're a Muslim, and because you should be trustworthy, you're going to tell them, yes, I know, man, the car looks nice from outside, but there's a problem in the engine. After one year, you might need to fix it. They're going to tell you, are you crazy? What kind of salesman are you? You're going to lose it. Yeah, I might lose a sale. I might get less money, but I'm not going to lose my amana. I'm not going to lose the reward from Allah for being honest and trustworthy. If you're a real estate uh, agent, don't take this poor couple and sell them an overpriced house because extra few dollars of commission. Tell them, no, that's not the right price. Be have, have honesty. Be trustworthy. If you're, even if a cashier or a, or, or, a, or, a, or a manager of a gas station or a grocery store, we see that all the time. You walk into a gas station, happy with me personally. It happened that I know the cashier. The very common generosity attitude, here, eat whatever you want. Drink whatever you want. As if he owns the place. If he does not pay for it from his own pocket, he is misbehaving and he is not fulfilling the amana that the owner of the store entrusted him with. If you're a doctor, your profession needs a full amana. Because people trust you. Trust you with their body. They don't know anything about medicine. They tell you, tell us. They trust your opinion. They trust your education. Especially if you're a male doctor and you have a patient, female patient. She trusted you with her body. Her husband trusted you. But I say, if all the doctors in the United States have a man they're trustworthy, we will have no more sexual harassment lawsuits against doctors. Let's spread this word. Let's spread the reputation that we Muslims are honest, are trustworthy. Let's spread it here in this locality, in this society. So when the people want to go to a car salesman, they're going to say, let's go to a Muslim car salesman. He's honest, he's trustworthy. We're not lying, we're not faking it. It has to be genuine. And there's a hope. There's a hope that we can spread this reputation and that story happened with me personally. A lady came to my office. Maybe 50 years old lady, white, Caucasian, Christian, American. 
She told me, are you Muslim? I said, yes, I am Muslim. She said, good. After I finished treating her, I told her, ma'am, can you tell me why did you ask if I'm a Muslim or not? She said, I always like to go to Muslim doctors. I told her, why? She said, I trust them. They have something in their mind, in their hearts, that they know that God is watching them, that they won't do anything wrong. I was the happiest person ever. I said, yes, this is the reputation that we want to spread around. I cannot give all the examples. Whatever your job is, teacher, driver, whatever your job is, look and ask yourself, how does Amana get involved in this? The third level, our relationship with our own selves, our own bodies, our own belongings. Everything we have is an Amana from Allah, is a trust that Allah gave us. Your eyes are Amana. Every time you look at Haram, you are betraying this Amana. Your tongue is an Amana. If you curse at the driver in front of you because he's driving too slow, you are betraying this amana. Your ears are amana. If you're listening to bad talks, gossiping, backbiting, you are betraying this amana. Your hands and fingers are amana. Youth, please, younger brothers, every time you click on the mouse to go to a bad website, you are betraying this amana. Your legs are amana. Every time you walk somewhere to do something wrong, you are betraying this amana. You're betraying this trust. Your lungs, brothers, is an amana. Every time you smoke a cigarette, you are betraying this amana. Your liver, your kidney, your brain is an amana. Everyone, someone does drugs, they are betraying this amana. Your kids are amana. If you do not provide for them, if you do not educate them and raise them in a right way and take care of them, you are betraying this amana. Your spouse is an amana. Your relationship with your spouse is a very important man of the Prophet Muhammad asked us to take care of. Your money is an amana. Where did you get it from? Where did you spend it on? That's an amana. That's a trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entrusted us with. Again, so many examples that we can go through and we cannot get it in only half an hour. I'll leave the rest for you. Every time you want to do something, think, how does amana get involved in this? How would Allah be happy for me if I do this or that? Always remember that Allah is watching you. And remember one thing. In the day of judgment, when we are passing over a sirat, which is a very thin bridge over hellfire, and Prophet Muhammad and Allah subhanahu wa each one of us has to cross it in order to go to paradise. Some people will be falling into hellfire. At that moment, we don't want anything to pull us down. We want to go as safe as possible to the other side. Prophet Muhammad said, when people are crossing that sirat, that bridge, there will be two things on the both sides pulling people down. Their relationship with their relatives, if it was good or bad, if it was bad, it would be pulling them down, and their amanah. How did they trust? How are they trustworthy or not? If they're not, it's going to be pulling them down. For a moment, remember and ask yourself, have you ever acted in an untrustworthy way? Then you need to ask Allah for forgiveness. This is a very good time to ask Allah for forgiveness. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أفضل المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وعلى تابعيهم ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين In the name of Allah the most merciful the all merciful the ever merciful We continue discussing some of the examples of Amana Two more forms I would like to discuss it in a little bit more details Before that I would like to say something Once I was given a khutbah a brother approached me after the salah and he said Brother my wife She's a convert Muslim. Feels that every time the khatib is talking, he's talking to the man in the male phrase. 
When she reads the Quran, she reads it in the male phrase. When she reads the Hadith, she reads in the male phrase. Man, a man, he, she, a believer, man. Does that mean Islam is prejudiced against women? Does that mean Islam is biased towards men? I went and asked some of the sisters in the ministry, I said, do you feel that? Some of them said, yes, we feel that. I said, be careful, that's a big misconception. When, it's, when the Quran speaks in the male phrase, when the Hadith speaks in the male phrase, when the Khatib, the, the sermon, the, the lecture is in the male phrase, that's how the Arabic language is. That's how the Islamic language is. It includes both men and women. And for those who want to accuse Islam saying, oh, that's not right, well, look at our Declaration of Independence. What does it say? All men are created equal. Does that mean women are not created equal? If you look at the English language itself when it refers to humanity, what does it say? Mankind. Does that mean women are not human? So that's a universal language. So take out this misconception out of your mind. When, it's, when you read the Quran, when you read the Khutbah and it talks in the male phrase or the man, then it, it means both. Included both. Except when it says this is for men and this is for women. Even then, sisters should not fall asleep or leave the place. You should pay attention even more than the men. Why? Because the brother is going to give the advice, going to apply it to himself. But the woman or the sister, she's going to teach her children. She's going to remind her husband. She's going to remind her brother or her father or her son-in-law. And the biggest example, the biggest proof on that, when you are sitting down at the dinner at night or lunchtime as a family, usually it's the mother or the wife who reminds everyone to say Bismillah. They're more alert to these things, sisters. Why I'm saying this? Because the last two examples of Amana are related to the brothers, to the men. Again, sisters, pay attention to this, please. A very important amana, brothers, pay attention to this, that Allah and His Prophet told you to take care of is your wife, your spouse. You should respect her and treat her the right way, according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure. And you want to learn? Learn for the best. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of us read in his life story how beautiful his relationship was with his wife. His wife Aisha says, he used to grab the food with his hand and put it in my mouth. Sign of love and romance. Before Hollywood, before the romance that we see on TV, Prophet Muhammad did that 1400 years ago. In a time that women used to be treated as second class citizens. His wife says, even in that time of the month, when I had my menstrual cycle, and those days women used to be treated as, as dirt or impure, and they used to be left in another house or another room. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu at that time of the month, his wife says, he will grab my cup of water look for my lip marks, and he put his lips right at the same spot and drink from it, telling her, I'm not disgusted, giving me the emotional support that she needs. Nowadays, they make fun of the women and on TV on that time of the month. Islam says, no, your wife needs your emotional support on that time of the month. When he was coming back once from his trip to Khaybar, his wife wanted to get him her ride. What did he do? A leader of the, of the society, he bent down, bent his knee, let her get on his knee and get on her ride. They told him, who could have lifted her up for you? He said, no, that's my wife. There's a reward every time you open the car door for your wife, brothers. And the companions learn from them. They learn from the Prophet. Abdullah ibn Abbas, a faqih, a scholar, a alim. You know nowadays when you hear a alim, you think someone who's so rigid does not laugh. This scholar, in the days of the Prophet wasallam, they saw him once getting dressed very well, cutting his hair, putting cologne. They asked him, where are you going? Do you have an occasion? He said, I'm going to meet my wife. He said, all this for your wife? He said, the same way I like her to look good in front of me, I know that she likes me to look good in front of her. That's the teachings of Islam. Treat your wife in a nice way, especially if she's not Muslim. Don't go after the masjid, you have to become Muslim, you have to wear hijab, she'll hate you, she'll hate the masjid, she'll hate everything. 
Be actually extra nice every time you come back from the masjid. Every time you pray, go be extra nice. A kiss on the forehead. Just like Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu used to do before and after Salah. And go read this surah in the Quran called Chapter of the Divorce, Surah Al-Talaq. Not scary me, but it tells you how husband and wife, if there's problems between them, have to deal with each other. Out of the first five verses, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ لَا تُخْرِجُنَّ مِنْ بُيُوتِنَا وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْهُ مُخْرَجًا وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْهُ مِنْهُمْ رِيَاسًا وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَكْفَأْ عَنْهُ سَيَأْتُوا عَلَيْهِمْ أَجْرًا." Allah is asking us out of the first five verses of Surah Talaq to have taqwa. The awareness of Allah is there watching you. How many times you should have taqwa in a normal marriage? Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "إِنَّ مِنْ أَعْظَمِ الْأَمَانَةِ النِّزْيَ الرَّجُلَ زَوْجَتِهِ or bad believers a man can do is when his wife trusts him and she exposes some of her secrets to him, he go out and he goes out and says those secrets. When a divorce happens, all the scandals go out. She was that way, he was that way, her father was that way, her sister was that way. This is the most one of the worst forms of mistrust. Allah described the form the, 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 the contract, the covenant of marriage in the Quran as a very hard, strict covenant. So let's go back to our mind, to our, to our religion, to the teaching of the Prophet, the way we treat our wives, brothers and sisters, brothers. The second form, and I will finish with this insha'Allah, it starts with a question. I get this question every time I go speak in a church or with non-Muslims. I tell the Muslims to wear hijab, scarf on their head. They are asked to do that, not all of them do, but they are asked to do that. They ask me this question, what is equivalent for men? Is there a hijab for the man? And I get asked this question by the youth all the time. Is there a hijab for the man? Yes, there is a hijab for the man. There is something equivalent to it, which is called your eyes. Lowering your gaze is your hijab as a man. You'll find the brothers walking around and checking out all the girls around the mall and the street, especially younger brothers in the school. Let's ask yourself, let's be a little bit realistic and practical. What are you getting out of it? You're not getting anything out of it, especially if you're single. You're not getting anything out of it, you're going to torture yourself. If you get something, that's a bigger disaster. If you're married, you're doing unjust to your wife. Because you're sitting down in front of the TV, looking at these models in front of the TV, and inside your mind, you're doing an unfair comparison with your wife. Those women are spending thousands of dollars on cosmetic surgery, makeup, clothes, and your wife spending 8 to 10 hours every day cleaning the house, taking care of the kids, cooking for you, doing the laundry, or working outside, whatever it is, and you expect her to look the same. So deep in your mind, you're doing un- even if you're not saying it, you're having an unfair comparison between you, those women and your So be careful. And remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, يَعْلَمُ خَائِنَةَ الْأَعْيُنَ He knows the betrayal of the eye. The scholars said the betrayal of the eye is that when a man sitting down with his friends and acting in a way that he's looking at something, but actually he's looking on the side to a woman passing by, checking out a woman passing by. It happens nowadays. The brothers sometimes get more even clever and smart. They put sunglasses on. And they act, they're sitting in the restaurant and reading the menu, but their eyes are going like a radar, right and left. And they act like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you want to eat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not even there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يَعْلَمُ خَائِنَةَ الْأَعْيُونَ The betrayal of the eye. That's the betrayal of the eye. Please be careful, brothers. Lower your gaze. You want to help your wife to wear hijab? Lower your gaze. Because she's going to say, he's checking out everyone in the street and I'm not wearing hijab. What will happen when I wear hijab? And ask yourself one last question. Would you like it if someone looking at your wife that way? Or your daughter? Or your sister? Never mind. Some people say, oh, they, they, they like to have that. Would you like it if your wife checking out every man she sees on TV? Or every man she sees on the street? It hurts, right? 
believe me, your wife gets hurt even more, feels more bad when you are checking out the one. So please, brothers and sisters, let's take care of these few amanas that we mentioned. The last two amanas are very important for the brothers. And we ask Allah that all of us will be among those who will fulfill their amana and would never be asked and accountable about this man. اللهم فر المسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك يا ربنا سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات عباد الله إن الله قد أمركم بأمر بدأ به بنفسه وثم بملائكة قصي حيث قال إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صلوا وسلموا وبارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت وسلمت وباركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد وأخلص بارك الله فيك